0: show you where that closet is. Well, good morning. Good morning. We are celebrating what is at the heart of Christmas. Amen. So, hallelujah, we're going to spend some time this in this preparation morning of getting ready for the Christmas season in and, and worship. Uh, this week, we're talking about the peace, the peace of God and the peace that's found at the heart of Christmas. And uh, we want to spend time in in lifting him up and as we as we begin worship this morning one of the greatest things is that we are celebrating the birth of jesus amen Amen. and so as we as we start we're we're going to sing um the song of of god's present to us that he gave us his one and only son and that's the celebration of what this whole, t- this whole season is about, is, is about Jesus coming into the earth and God giving us the most precious gift. That's why we should be thinking of others, and when we give gifts to one another, it's, it's out of that same spirit of God giving his son to us. So. But a very full morning this morning, a very full service, uh, lots going on, so we're going to worship the Lord, and, uh, and yeah, let's pray heavenly father we thank you so much um, for this opportunity to gathered together this morning and to worship you worship you freely just pray that you would um, inhabit the praises of your people come and be with us we thank you for um, all that you've done lord and this thank you for this beautiful place that we live in and, and the family that we have the friends this church the uh, the people in the church who are our family God, um, and we just want to give to you and And uh, we want to respond to that offer um, that you've given us. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Lord, help us to come this morning um, as we celebrate your goodness and the gifts that you've given us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Sings flow. Praise Him, praise Him for the wonders of His love. Praise God. That he gave us his one and only son to save for God so loved. The world that he gave us is one and only son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. The power of hell forever defeated now in walking in freedom, for God so loved, God so loved the world. Bring all your failures, bring your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting, God so loved
2: the world.
1: The nation singing louder. Nothing nothing
0: has the power to say, but God, we thank you that you sent us your Son, wonderful counselor, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He came, He came, and He's called Emmanuel. God with us, God with us, Emmanuel,
1: God God with us. us. See?
0: That you would help us to see your beautiful face. God, throughout this season, throughout each and every day of the year, help us to see your love, your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your hope of a life that's truly a life full of peace. God, help us to look on the beauty even of mankind as your created one. And see them as you love them. And love them as you see them in the likeness of your son. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, this morning we have a message. From somebody who right now is on a plane to Qatar. Qatar. It, not the US. Here we go. Let's see what she has to say this morning.
2: been so long since i've made a video but i thought i'd do one more update before i leave so by the time you watch this i will be on a plane um we have a pretty long day of travel it's going to be about 24 hours from leaving sweden to get to malaysia um so i just wanted to kind of let you guys know specifically where we're going to be and what we're doing Um, and also just a couple different prayer points for you guys Uh, so as i said we're going to be leaving on sunday and we are going to start off for about two months in Kuala Lumpur. Um, We're gonna be staying at two different YWAM bases there. Um, From there, we're going to be traveling to Penang, and we'll be there for two weeks, I believe. Um, And then our last two weeks of being in Malaysia will be in Sabah. So if you guys can be praying for our travels there, it's gonna be a lot of back and forth um, and staying at different locations. Uh, There is a slight issue. We have two people on the team who can only stay in Malaysia for 30 days due to visa reasons. Um, We are really praying that there will be breakthrough in that and that their visa can be extended, that they won't have to leave. If not, our team does have to split up for about a week and they have to travel to Singapore. Um, So be praying for that, um, that there will be breakthrough and that we don't have to split up the team. So that is one prayer point for you guys um and yeah so different ministries will be helping the YWAN bases really in whatever areas they need we're not positive on what that's going to look like a lot of it is church and kids ministries as i said in the last video so we are doing like a vbs as i said Um, we'll be doing it for about a week we're also going to be doing english classes Um, So that'll be a lot of fun. (laughs) And then other than that, like I said, we don't quite know what we're going to be focusing on mainly. Um, I do know that at different YWAM locations, they have different focuses. So at some point we will be focusing more on um, homeless and the needy in the area that we're in. Um, So it's just a lot of different ministries. It's going to be a a lot of work. It's going to be challenging for sure. Um, But we're all really looking forward to what God has in store in this season. So if you guys could just be praying that he really directs us and opens up our hearts to the people of Malaysia. Um, And that he brings us together as a team because sometimes it is hard (laughs) to be all together. Um, And also be praying just for protection through it all. Uh, It is a group of nine. Um, We have one guy on our team, pray for him, poor guy. He's surrounded by eight girls. So uh, yes, (laughs) but other than that, I don't think there's much I can say uh i will do an update hopefully while i'm gone um we are going to be also doing different christmas activities so that will be really great malaysia is uh they are a country who's not focused on jesus really at all during the holiday season so we are going to try to bring that back in as much as possible um so be praying for that around the holidays too uh, yeah so i think that's it I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for your support, your encouragement, your prayers. It means so much to me um, and I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the texts that I occasionally get um, and I know you guys are still praying for me so I really appreciate it. And I know I didn't update you guys on this but my toe is all better and it's been better for a couple weeks. So thank you for praying for that and asking my dad about it. <laughs> but I am all healed now so thank you guys and I will talk to you soon. Bye.
3: I used to feel like I would like to go to sleep the day before Thanksgiving and wake up January 2nd.
4: For many who've lost loved ones, the holidays are the worst time of the year. But you can give those hurting people the comfort and encouragement they desperately need with Grief Share Surviving the Holidays. Grief Share Surviving the Holidays is a freestanding, one time event that you can offer to your church. And community. A surviving the holidays event is structured like a normal grief share meeting. Everyone receives a small workbook called a survival guide which contains a video outline and over 40 exercises, articles, and activities. During the meeting the group will watch a 40 minute video featuring moving stories of holiday survival, powerful testimonies, creative storytelling, and new and familiar grief share experts. Once the video ends, your group will discuss the video and their plans to survive this holiday season. Surviving the holidays is also a unique and effective outreach event that can draw visitors to your church. Plus, it can revitalize and enlarge your existing Grief Share ministry. Position your church to care for people dealing with grief during this holiday season. Order your copy of Grief Share, Surviving the Holidays today.
5: My wife has died five years going on six come the first of the year and it's still, this time of the year is hard for me. Um, the holidays are supposed to be happy and joyous and full of life, and sometimes it gets very difficult. Um, But that's what the Surviving the Holidays is all about, is it's teaching us how that we can trust Christ to supply our every need. And sometimes when we have no hope, last week we talked about hope, and sometimes when we go there, we just go, um... You know, the simplest tasks are just difficult. And sometimes we feel like the sun is never going to shine again. And we we don't want to get out of bed. We don't want to do anything. We have no enthusiasm. And, and yet we still need to keep going. And we can support each other. And we can love each other through this difficult times. And I would encourage you to come... We handed out uh, brochures this morning. We have a a program. It's the two-hour program on Saturday the 10th, and it'll be from 10 o'clock until 12 o'clock, and it'll be at the Cornerstone Christian Fellowship behind the community market. Uh, This is a free event. Um, We're going to have some refreshments, and we're going to have our video, and we look forward to seeing you and working with you in this time so I would encourage you if you're grieving at all if you've had a loss in your life to come and hear the fellowship see the fellowship feel the fellowship and get encouraged by what Jesus has done for us this Christmas season thank you
6: All right, quick announcement for you guys. Um, We have our church dinner that's coming up, which is going to be on December 14th, 6 p.m. here. I lied to you guys last week. I think I told you it's free, but just kidding, it's not. dollars for adults and a dollar for children um we are going to be selling tickets in the back the reason we do that is just so that we can get a head count so we know how much food to purchase and so you have a seat so you need to have a ticket in order to come and so we'll be selling those today and next sunday so you need to get those tickets by next sunday in order to have a seat at the dinner i do believe that we're going to be having certain foods that we might be asking people to potentially help prepare as well so if you're a good cook and you would like to help with that please connect with myself or pastor rob and um, we'll we'll give you the food you don't have to purchase the food all we need is for your help to cook it um, and bring it that night and i think that's really the only announcements that i have for you guys so we're just going to continue our time of worship and receive our tithes and offerings i wanted to share a quick little uh quote that i found it's by uh, jeffrey r holland and it says this, it says, paying our tithes is not a token gift. We are somehow charitably bestowing upon God. Paying tithing is discharging a debt. So you guys, he already took the debt. He paid the price, right, for us. So we want to give back to him what he's already given to us. It's not like we're giving him anything that he needs, but it's our act of faith and trust and obedience in him. So let's go ahead and pray for our tithes and our offerings now. Father, we thank you so much, God, that you did pay that debt for our sin, Lord, that you continually to bestow grace and mercy upon us. Father, we ask that um, whatever is given today, God, that our hearts would be in the right place to give back to you what you've already given to us, Lord. Help it to grow, help it to reach the lost and those that are hurting and need you, Lord. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Walk through the four weeks of, of Advent, bringing hope, peace, joy, and love. This morning, I want to talk about the peace that God offers, and having the peace at, which is at the heart of Christmas. Again, each week we're going to light one of the candles, and on Christmas Eve we'll light the the Christ candle at the at the center. And remember, last week we talked about hope. One of the parts of hope is that we don't just We don't hope any longer in his first coming, but his first coming gave us hope that there's a second coming. His first coming and the prophecies fulfilled really give us that guarantee that there is something coming that we can trust the Bible, and that's the hope that we have. This week, we're going to begin a a, a talk about the peace of God, and, and some of you already are saying, you know, how do you have peace? This video talked about how do you have peace when the world's in turmoil, how do you sleep in heavenly peace when you can't sleep. And that's one of my issues. Uh, sleep uh, escapes me most nights. Um, and just from physical things, sleep is difficult. Yet with the peace of God, we're going to be talking about what that looks like. So this morning, we're going to light the peace candle and talk about the peace of God this morning. Amen. So we'll do this each and every every week. I I did forget to give uh, one announcement to (coughs) Jesse and that is we are uh, welcoming new members um, on the 18th of December during service. And if you've already taken the 101 class, I told you I would get you the membership application and your testimony sheet. So for all of you who took the class Uh, just recently or a while back and if you've not turned in your membership application or if you've done this class in the past and you're ready to now become a member make sure you pick this up and turn it in and get it to me the Friday before that so it's Friday December 16th and some of you got a text about that Um, that way we can get this information in and then on that morning during the service uh, we'll talk a little bit about membership, and we'll just invite those people who've already taken the 101 class to understand who we are to come forward and become part of the, the membership and the family the, uh, here at the Journey Church. So uh, These are out on the little round table. Pick it up and on your way out. If you're watching online and you need us to get in touch with us, and we, will, uh, we can send it out via uh, email to you so you can get that and get it back into the office. All right. Peace. Did anyone go Black Friday shopping in person? And you did? Did you really? Wow. And, and I, I was going to say, and why not? Because the stores weren't peaceful. Who, who wants to go into that? Um, a few days before Christmas, there were two men in Florida, and they decided to go sailing while their wives... Went Christmas shopping. And so while they're out uh, sailing, a terrible storm came up and it was really bad, buffeting their boat back and forth. It was all they could do uh, to keep the boat under control, to not completely capsize, though it came close a number of times. And as they maneuvered back to land, their boat became grounded on a sandbar off the coast and it just got stuck and and they couldn't move it anymore so they both had to jump out into these crashing waves as the boat was being rocked back and forth um and they had to push and push and and work really hard to get uh this boat unstuck off the sandbar the wind was blowing it was pelting them in the face it was just miserable waves rushing upon them soaking wet knee-deep in this sand mud in, in, in the water there, and one of the guys looked at his buddy and said, you know, it sure beats Christmas shopping, though. <laughs> <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> there is sometimes a lack of peace in our lives, isn't there? And Christmas should bring that peace to us. It should be a time of of uh, well, as we look around the room, hope, love, joy, and and peace, and peace on earth, and goodwill toward men. But how how can Christmas bring peace? I want to we're going to be looking up a few scriptures. Go with me back to where we were last week, Isaiah chapter nine. Isaiah chapter nine. Isaiah's these prophetic scriptures that pointed toward the coming of the king, the Messiah. And, and I've, I say this occasionally, and I want us to really get it until, until we remember it. When the Old Testament was looking forward to a Messiah, a Savior, the, the general thought was that the Messiah would be a king, a ruler, a godly person, in the line of King David, who would come and save them physically in this world. So when Jesus came on the scene, the people believed that he would set them free from Rome, that he would set up righteousness in the temple, that things would go the way God originally intended right here on this earth. It's important to remember as you see these of what the the prophet, the people were thinking, even though God knew it would be different. Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6 is these passages we hear at Christmas time. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. These are great titles for Jesus. These are the titles, the names that we celebrate during the Christmas time. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, a Father who doesn't pass away. The holidays for me become a time of grieving also, as I I lost my dad when I was 20 and my mom three years ago, um, to have those losses in your life. Um, But God has said He would become our everlasting Father. And this morning we're going to uh, focus in on Prince of Peace. Go to the New Testament, uh, to the book of Luke. And the stories at the beginning of Matthew and Luke, they're talking about um, how the birth of Jesus came about, Luke chapter 2. 14, the story. Uh, this whole Christmas story we have with every part, all the, we have the, the uh, shepherds and the angels. And Luke 2:14 says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men, the New King James says. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. We know that scripture well. Another version, the New American Standard says, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among men with whom he's pleased. And that adds a little bit uh, a different understanding and feeling we'll get into a little bit um, as we go on this morning. Talking about the peace of God. When we look around at our society and life, um, it's not real peaceful. Um, some of us would really like to go back to Norman Rockwell. You know, I, I, I think that there's a longing inside of, of many. It, when, when you see the, those pictures, you know, that Norman Rockwell Christmas of, of the family gathering and, and the tree. And, and some of you are still trying to do that, which is a wonderful thing with your family, because it, it quiets everything down and, and settles us and brings peace. But is that the peace that we're talking about this morning? The world is not in peace, um, but he says that he came to bring peace. You're going to read a number of scriptures. We won't go to all the other ones. And again, as I said, Isaiah calls this coming Messiah, Jesus, uh, among other titles, he calls him the Prince of Peace. Jesus in his lifetime said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. So what is peace? Well, if we look up um, what peace is in in the dictionary and just kind of have a general thing, you'll see definitions that include things like this, freedom from disturbance, uh, quiet, tranquility, that's peace. But what we can't do is overlook what biblical peace is. See, there's a, a huge thing of what biblical peace is, and an, uh, to understand what um, God was saying when he said that he would be the, the prince of peace, we need to understand that. And I was going to go ahead and do that, but I actually found a video that, that'll say it a little bit succinctly with some fun little graphics up there. And uh, this, is ca- this is about peace, but the biblical word for peace uh, in the Old Testament is shalom. Shalom. So we're going to watch um, about what shalom means, what this biblical piece is. It's just a, a, a few minutes. I told you we had a lot of videos this morning. And, um, but I, I felt like they did a really good job uh, helping us to understand and rather than just reiterate what they did, thought they could do it. And they, like I said, they have some fun little graphics. So here this comes. Let's learn about what the Bible says is real peace. Peace
7: is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is eirene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete. Or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of Shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that has been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that is the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, My peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it is not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it is in our lives our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace.
0: Let there be peace on earth. Not just the absence of conflict. In fact, in the last 3,400 years or so of recorded history, There was only peace for about 268 of those years. It's about 8%. 8% of recorded human history, we weren't at war. Peace without conflict doesn't really happen very often here on earth. But if we understand that Jesus came to be the prince of peace, he who would make whole, bring healing. And that, that that is the understanding of being truly at peace is being made whole. We understand that we are really in the process of being at peace. And that true peace is something to look forward to fully in the new kingdom. In, in the book of uh, Isaiah and other prophetic books, there are pictures where even in Isaiah 2, verse 4, it says they will, and you may have heard this, um, it says that they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. There's another scripture that says they will take their pruning, uh, pruning hooks and their spears and they'll turn them into swords. And, and some people have brought that up as a contradiction in the Bible saying, "Well, oh, how can you do both? is because you need to understand the timing of when it was written and what it's talking about. Isaiah 2 isn't looking forward to the coming of Jesus the first time. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 is looking to the coming of Jesus the second time. Isaiah chapter 2 is looking all the way forward to the time that we are no longer on this earth separated by division and turmoil and conflict and difficulties, but that when true peace comes, it's only gonna fully come when we get to heaven. And that's one of the things that brings us hope, as we talked about last week, is that there is something more that is coming for the bride, for the body of Christ than what we're experiencing here. Now, I believe when Christ comes into our life, he brings benefits in this world as well. He brings, as, as he says, the, the peace that passes understanding, that he can bring to us um, moments and, and, and the idea of an inner peace, maybe a soul peace to us, even as we experience that here on earth But part of and the majority of what he's talking about is really what's happening in the future. We have to be careful not to get swept up into the teaching that says, if you just have enough faith, everything will be perfect here. It's just not true. Can we walk in joy here? Absolutely. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We can have joy in Him. Interesting though, the peace of God, the joy of God, the hope that we talked about last week is so closely connected and rooted into the hope and understanding that he is coming back and that this world is not all that there is, that we can have joy in the journey knowing that there is something greater waiting for us. There is something greater that's Waiting for us. Sometimes when you go and you train for an event, maybe you're going to run a, a, a 5 or a 10K or a marathon or something, or you want to lose weight to, to feel better, those things hurt in the process. Training your body to get ready for a race or, or uh, losing weight or getting strong at the gym to do whatever it is that you might do to practice, to compete, whether it's a musically practice, um, whether it's a sport that actually is difficult. It hurts. It causes conflict within yourself. Yet the joy of the result is what keeps you going. The joy and the hope of the result of this life keeps us going, and it helps us to have such a different attitude, and it can bring peace The Bible talks about grief, uh, a number of different things, but one of the things it says about grief for Christians, it says, we do not grieve as the world grieves. And one thing I point out whenever I do a, a funeral, or memorial, is that the Bible says that we don't grieve as the world grieves. The Bible does not say that we don't grieve. And I think for a long time, um, and even still today, there are some Christian circles that put this this uh, teaching and um, expectation and they tell people, don't grieve, don't cry because you know that you're going to be with your loved one in heaven. And, and I, th- I really think I bought into that for a long time. Most Christians did. And then we felt bad when we were sad because we must not have a faith, enough faith because we were sad that somebody died. And if that was you on behalf of pastors and ministers everywhere, I'm sorry. Because grief is difficult. The Bible says that we don't grieve as those in the world who have no hope. Hope of what? Hope of the resurrection. See, there's a hope that we will be together again someday. That's why we don't grieve the same way, is we're not being parted forever. We're being parted for a time. But Madeline, when she left to to go to Sweden, and now she's off to Malaysia, I cried there in the airport, and then there at the restaurant. I cried. She's going to be gone for five months. That's not much time. Why did I cry? I was going to miss her. If, If I cry when my daughter goes away for five months, When somebody passes away, we might have 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years without their presence. Of course, we're going to grieve. But how many of you who've lost somebody in life has said, but there's such a peace that I have in the midst of my sadness that I'll be with them again one day. Where does that peace come from? Well, it comes from God. May the peace of Christ guard your heart. So as we see in Isaiah 2, it's talking about the future. It's prophetic, talking about a time when when the King of Israel will be ruling, and the King of Israel is not a man, but it is God Himself. And that is the consummation when Christ returns to take up His rightful rulership in this world, in our hearts. Finally, we'll be able to beat our swords into plowshares. Jesus, though, himself said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword and to turn a father against a son and a mother against his daughter-in-law. So how is it both? Understanding what it is. Our peace will not fully be realized until heaven. And we might live in conflict with people on this earth in the meantime. Even the idea of, of talking with a family member about, of course, we have a lot of conflicts. When we talk about politics. But even about God, there is a conflict there. Well, you just believe that everyone has to be a Christian and everybody has to obey and everybody has to be a goody-two-shoes and not have any fun, and you are now at conflict with some of the people that, that you love because there's a, a difference in the way you view life. But that doesn't mean we're supposed to be uh, angry and mean towards the people, but there is conflict, and, and you just want uh, peace, right? Anyone bold enough to say that they're, uh, they are a peace-at-all-costs person? Or they lean into that, they tend towards that. I'll, I'll, I'll be brave enough to say, I'm kind of a peace at all costs type of person. We're not the people who, who enjoy that argument a lot. Uh, we're not the people when there's an argument going on. We're the people who like, try to patch it up. So let's, 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 can we just have peace? Uh, let me tell you something that I am trying to understand and learn and, and, and begin to live out. Peace at all costs is not peace at all. Peace at all costs is not peace at all, because you're willing to give up truth for tranquility and quietness in absence of conflict. So you can't sacrifice truth. See, that's really not actually what peace is. See, that's a world understanding of peace. So as we begin to apply some of these things, we're beginning to say, wait a second, peace is not... Just can we all get along and sing kumbaya? I think that that's wonderful. I think that that can cause some wonderful moments. Um, I, I, I think that when you go to a wedding or Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, that's not the place to bring up the differences in conflict. In that moment, just get along. Let's not ruin somebody's wedding because you disagree politically or something else. So we'll remove the conflict for a moment, but that doesn't mean we have to Completely give in. So we look for some moments of peace in our life. We come home from work after a hard day. And you know what? For, the, for a little bit, can we just have some peace? In other words, what we're saying is, let's not have any conflict for a few minutes. But those things are going to come back in. For instance, there's not enough money to pay the bills. And you have to decide which bill to pay. And, and there could be conflict in that. Well, I think that we really need to keep the, the cable on. I think that we need to keep the phone on. And, and some people are like, man, I don't care if I ever talk to anybody on the phone again, but I want to watch football. <laughs> so, so already there's a little dissent, a little conflict, isn't there? Can you just erase that? The only way to erase that without dealing with that is is for one person to just give in all the time. And that doesn't actually create peace. So we're going to have conflict. But can we begin to lean into the peace, the shalom that Christ is talking about, that God is talking about, wholeness? See, wholeness comes when we receive Christ and allow Him to do a work in our lives. John 14 says, the peace I give you the world doesn't give. It's a peace that the world cannot give. The peace I give you is a peace that the world cannot give. I believe it's at seven or twenty-seven? Twenty-seven. John 14. That's a peace that we we need. That's the peace. Of God in our hearts that's coming from the fact that He is making us whole, that He's healing us, that He's He's healing us in such a way that we don't have to demand our own way anymore. That that we're okay with people who have a difference of ideas in things that aren't important. And even if they are important, He's given us a healing. He begins to bring life to us that. We don't have to be mean and angry to convince somebody else that we are right. Sometimes I make the, the, the semi-joke, but it's very, very real. And when I'm talking to people about God and they don't, they don't agree with me and they don't believe, and I say, well, that's, that's okay. One day we'll find out that I was right. <laughs> Christ didn't come to bring temporal peace. He didn't come to bring temporary safety or security. He came to bring eternal safety, eternal security, and inward temporal peace. Inward. That's that peace that that people can have in the midst of a crisis, and you're like, why? how are you you so peaceful? And, And many times they say, I don't know but I know that God has got this under control and that we'll be okay. And they said, well, what if something bad happens? And they said, well, we'll still be okay. See, eternity helps to get into perspective that even when things aren't okay here, that shalom, completeness, healing, restoration is coming. And sometimes we just are, are waiting on that. And the wait is hard. As we talked about last week with hope. There's, there's a wait that comes waiting on perfection to come. So how do we reconcile that the Prince of Peace who came to bring peace on earth also says I Didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. We need to tap into that inner peace, that soul peace that he offers us. We're always going to be at at conflict with, with someone, but he can come and begin to bring peace to us. Let me a couple of scriptures here. Isaiah 26. Back to Isaiah, if you would. We're going to be there for a couple. Isaiah 26, starting in verse 3. How do we find this peace. It's it's not something you can conjure up, not truly. It's not something you can fake, though we do that too. But there's a perfect peace, a shalom, a healing. Says Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast or one scripture says, it's, it's trained upon you. You'll keep in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord. The Lord is the rock eternal. For us, I think the, the phrase rock isn't as, as uh, clear as it was for them. We have concrete if you're going to build a house or a building, you know that the foundation has to be concrete. And, and for a large building, the foundation goes very far underground. And there's so much concrete. Some of, I've, I've had some fun stories with uh, a couple of you in, in the congregation of, of having to, to build a little stoop or something um, on your property. And the code called out, uh, it's talking to actually one of the local pastors here, he was just putting up a little a porch covering, not a deck, just a porch covering. And the co- county called out for a four-foot-by-four-foot-by-four-foot four foot four foot footing for his post. Somebody else came and inspected, and, and they said, well, that was who did that? that was, they didn't need that. But four feet-by-four-feet-of-four-feet-of-concrete for a post that's just holding up a little porch. But we understand concrete footings, don't we? We understand that. In this time, what was holding build, the buildings together, they would build it on rock, not concrete. So when you see that the Lord is the rock, He is that base that doesn't move. Because some of us go like, man, rocks move. Well, not when you do them right. He's the rock. He's the sure foundation. And when I was talking to, to Pastor Mike about that. I said, man, you ain't ever taken that thing down. You know, if if it comes time to tear, tear that down, you just probably put a little dirt on top of it because you're never getting that up. That's Jesus. He's the rock. And he will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is steadfast, when you trust in him, and he's able to be trusted in because he is the rock. He doesn't change. Just a few chapters later, Isaiah 32 says that the fruit of righteousness will be peace. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. But the the New Testament is, is understanding that we're all wicked. We're all sinners. There is none who do good, none who are righteous. So the fruit of righteousness, I guess, peace isn't mine, except that the Bible teaches us that Jesus, through his atonement, through his death, God imputes his righteousness to us. That we actually, because of what Jesus did, we are righteous. Not because of my acts, but because of his righteousness in me. When I'm connected to him, I'm I'm the branch, he's the vine. When I'm connected to him, His righteousness is my righteousness and the fruit of that righteousness is peace because I know God. I know Him. He knows me. And I know that in my life there isn't peace, but in and through Him is peace and the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Because as I said a moment ago, John 14, 27, He leaves us with His peace, peace I give to you. I don't give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. And in Philippians, it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything uh, is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's an amazing passage, difficult to do, but this is when it says that your mind is supposed to be steadfast on Him, part of that is to put Philippians 4.8 into practice. When we we put our mind uh, onto Him, we think, okay, well, how do I do that? Well, whatever is true. So I can't pay uh, the mortgage this month. It's the end of the world. Well, is that true? Is the world really going to end because you can't pay the mortgage? I guess it's not. That's not true. Let's not think about what's not true. Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure. You start having these negative thoughts about you or your neighbor or somebody at church. Or These aren't right. These aren't pure. Whatever's lovely. These lovely thoughts. Admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things this is where uh, this is what we think about what we focus upon is so important if we focus on the negative and continually dwell on that we're going to miss out something it, it it says in verse nine whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice and so as we do these things, focus on him, think about the things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent and praiseworthy, so we put the practices of God, the practices of Jesus into practice, it says that the God of peace will be with you. You know, it's 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 simple, but it's not easy we focus and we begin to press into Christ. The healing that he brings helps all of these things come to pass because what does Galatians 5 say? Galatians 5, is sound familiar, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, I forgot faithfulness. Well, well the fruit of the Spirit is is something that's produced when the Spirit of God is, is free to live through you, that you're not hindering the Spirit, and you're living in the Spirit, you're connected to Christ. It's not something you do or you make up. It's that relationship of, of being in Jesus, of being in Christ, that the fruit of the Spirit begins to happen. When you see believers that don't have these fruit in an increasing measure, you, you know, let me, let me just change it. Let me just focus on you. If you are a believer and don't have these fruit, this fruit, growing more and more, you're not allowing the Spirit to have access to you. It's kind of simple. You know, don't worry about what somebody else is doing. Let's worry about us. As we allow the Spirit access to us, the love, all those things begin to happen. It becomes easier to actually focus on these things and to keep your mind steadfast on Him. We're in relationship. We're letting Him live through us, and the peace of God begins to come more and more. It's amazing. He does it himself. He is the Prince of Peace. This morning is Communion Sunday and I'm going to ask the the ushers to kind of get ready for that. We're going to pass out the elements in just a minute here. In fact, um, you can go ahead and begin to pass out the elements when you get them. Hold on to them and try not to get too distracted yet. Today's Communion Sunday, and the idea of communion is understanding that we have fellowship with Christ. We have fellowship. We have have communion. The word means that we, you know, you commune with one another, there's a relationship happening. And it's a great time around Christmas to have communion. We're not just focusing, uh, you know, on, on His death, but what happens, thank you so much, Steve, what happens for us as a result of Jesus' sacrifice. One of the results that, uh, of Jesus' sacrifice is that he breaks down the wall of separation that was between us and God. In fact, there is a conflict between us and God as unsaved people. The conflict is that we don't want to realize and accept His Lordship in our life. We are at absolute conflict before salvation with God. You cannot, and part of having peace with God is to reconcile. You you fix what's broken between you. You may have a relationship that needs to be reconciled, that you need peace in that. It needs to be restored, fixed, made whole. Well, we were, we were that with, with God. Our relationship was absolutely broken, and Jesus made it possible that we could have a fixed whole relationship through His sacrifice of His, of his blood and, and the body of Christ. It's broken for us. So this morning, how does communion tie? It really can, it ties into all these messages of hope and peace and joy and love, but Peace with God comes because of this. As we understand and accept what He did for us, part of that is is saying, you're my Lord. I receive what you did for me. But in that it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, there's another word for Lord that is translated that way in, in some of the scriptures We don't probably like that word as much. I'm going to say it to you, and some of you are going to say, oh, I don't know if I like that. You don't have to raise your hand. Master. Isn't Lord nicer? Just sounds lovely. Jesus is my Lord. How about Jesus is my master? Whatever you want, Master. I'm here to serve you, Master. You're my Master. It sounds a little... Lord means Master. Now, here's part of the problem with that picture. We think of earthly masters. We think of slavery. We, we, that's probably where most of you some of you may even did what I did. And when I think of that, I actually say, Massa, forgive me. That's, that's what we, we heard those. We watched those movies. We, we saw, we, you know, I, I remember as a kid watching Roots, man, it transformed my life, the, the plight of what happened in this nation. Jesus isn't a bad master. He's not a heavy-handed master. He's not a rough master brutish master. He's benevolent and he's good, but he also knows better. He knows what's good for you more than you think you know. You know, uh, if you've got kids, you're already doing that one. I know what's best for you. <laughs> and if you're an honest parent, sometimes you're going, oh, I hope I know what's best for them. <laughs> and if you've If you've got grown kids, you've already said, I thought I knew what was best for them. Because you missed it sometimes. Jesus never misses it. He never gets it wrong. He's good. He is one that you can say, Master, anything you want. That's the relationship we come to. That's what this represents. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is master, you'll be saved. We don't get to just say, I want to go to heaven, so I'm going to believe in Jesus. He needs to become our Lord. When he becomes our Lord, these things I've talked about and so much more happen. It's a spiritual transaction. He begins to heal us. He begins to bring us peace in our Inner man, in our spirit, in our broken relationship with our Father, as we as we allow Him to live through us and yield to Him, He begins to bring wholeness into our relationships and the people. He begins to bring wholeness in every part of our life. We begin to see it here. We'll fully see it in heaven. That's what communion's about—peace. Now this morning, I don't have to ask. I won't ask, other than rhetorically. Do you, Do you need some peace this morning? Do you need some wholeness? Maybe even wholeness in a relationship with God that you've allowed some brokenness to come in there that needs to be repaired. Maybe you're holding something back. Do you need some peace? Do you need some shalom in a relationship with a family member? This morning is is a perfect time to have that shalom, peace restored to us and to say, Lord, help me to Not break this. Help me to live. And when I fall short, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your peace that passes understanding. Because our understanding says you don't deserve peace. And his understanding is I paid for you. It's not because you deserve it. It's because I love you. I give Samuel food every day. I even buy him things, and it's not always because he deserves it. <laughs> so when you've got kids, you're like, man, I'd like to withhold that. You don't deserve that. You're right. We don't deserve it. Thank you, Jesus. The body of Jesus that was broken, the blood of Christ that was spilled, had nothing to do with our effort and everything to do with Him, and He brings peace. Let's pray over these elements. God, we remember, and maybe today somebody in this room still is in conflict with You. We were at odds, at enmity with You. And before we were even born, Jesus was sent and given to this world as a gift to be born, which we celebrate at Christmas, to live a perfect sinless life and to receive upon His body what He didn't deserve and that was our sin, the stripes, the floggings, the beatings. So that we might be able to be in relationship with You and have that shalom, that healing and restoration in our life. So Father, this morning we thank You For the body of Jesus, for Jesus who willingly allowed himself to be beaten and bruised so that by his stripes we could be healed. In remembrance of him, let's take the bread together. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes, whires the snow. Thank you for forgiveness this morning. Thank you that the blood is sufficient for all of my sin, past, present, and future. Thank you for the peace that you bring to me. Help me to Walk in that. Help me to fix my eyes and be steadfast in you that the peace of God would be in me and guard my heart. Thank you for a supernatural peace, a healing peace. Shalom. Thank you for shalom in Jesus' name. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father.
1: Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of is
0: white as snow amen amen may the peace of god guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus bless you this week we'll see you during the week in our home groups our small groups and next sunday bless you